0: 국가군대 최고령도자 김성은 동지께서 대륙간 탄도로켓 화성 14형 시험 발사를 단행할 때에 대한 명령 하달. Every minute and every second, the new reality that U.S. mainland is on the knife's edge of life and death is forcing U.S. administration to wave a white flag and fundamentally change her North Korea policy. It is not the denuclearization of North Korea, but the security of U.S. mainland, which should be the top priority of Trump administration. If U.S. still refuses to accept such a realistic demand and doggedly pursue hostile policy against North Korea, in order to save face, she will receive unexpected gift packages, which we will continue to send. Those are the most recent words coming out of um, North Korea's central um, news agency. They are clearly absolutely bonkers, aren't they? what can be done about this country what can be done about a nation who prevaricates provocates antagonises consistently what what are they trying to achieve uh, and what can be done about them that's what I'm going to discuss today now it's been suggested to me by somebody that maybe it, I shouldn't be talking about the things that I'm talking about in in this podcast. Maybe I shouldn't. You know, I don't have the the knowledge, the um, the right even to discuss some of the topics that I'm that I'm going through and, and debating each week. Now, what I'd say to that is is twofold. First of all, I think that anybody really has the right to to discuss and debate, uh, as, as long as it's done in a, in a sort of fair-minded, you know, non-provocative way. Um, the other thing I'd say, though, is that there are certain topics that I have more knowledge on, and I think that this is one. Um, so, some topics I, you know, will fully admit that actually my knowledge is not all there, but when that is the case, I will do further research, and I will ensure that I am coming at it from a place of um you know I, ha- I have actually done some research and I have a good understanding of the topic um as I say though as for today uh, I do have more knowledge about this there's obviously bits that I'm not entirely uh you know 100 percent on uh, off the top of my head however again through a bit of research I'm able to um Come at this from a, a pretty good, pretty good position. Um, yeah, having having lived in in South Korea for three years, um, it is it is a, an area that interests me, and I've done a lot of a lot of sort of reading and, and research in my own time on this topic. So hopefully, as I say, that that means that I can come at it from a um, a point of view that that not a lot of people will have. So as always, I'd like to start off with thinking about and looking at the history of this particular conflict, this particular issue. Um, So the the history of North and South Korea, uh, not always divided into two separate countries, started its its life uh, as one country, one peninsula um, of Korea, um, ruled over the centuries by various uh, uh, countries, including China and Japan, um, but have enjoyed some independence uh, along the way as well, although mostly they have been uh, the Korean Peninsula has been ruled in one way or another or another by another country. Um, jumping ahead to the 20th century though, the main thing that we need to know about is the Korean War, which was from uh, 1950 to 1953 between North Korea supported by China and the Soviet Union and South Korea supported by. Um, uh, America, uh, Britain, the United Nations. This war, this conflict, left two and a half million people dead, and resulted in nineteen fifty three in the um, creation of a demilitarized zone along the thirty eighth parallel, which effectively split the country in two, um, and that that has been the border ever since nineteen fifty three. The other thing worth knowing is that since 1953 there has been an armistice um but the, it's not actually ended the war so these two countries have actually been at war technically ever since 1950 and it that that has not changed um since the creation of the demilitarized zone in 1953 the area along the border um is called the joint security area Um the area where the Armistice was signed in 1953. Was an area called the Panmunjom, uh, which is basically the area where they are able to uh, communicate with each other, if if needs be. Um, There have been a fair few meetings along that uh, that area, that JSA Joint Security Area, um, but that is pretty much the only place where they can meet. In 1994 the original leader of North Korea, Kim Il-sung, uh, died. Um, he he was the one who was responsible for, obviously, creating uh, North Korea, bringing on board these uh, these Leninist Marxist ideas, taking on board communism, turning it into his own philosophy uh, of, of Juche, uh, which basically is focused on men being... Men generally means people uh, being at the centre of everything. it's a humanist sort of ideology is Juche although it's quite often difficult to define exactly what it is. But that that's what his his sort of primary goal was was creating this philosophy, and he also managed to create a good, I say good, he for him a good uh, sort of cult of personality, cult of leadership around him, very very successful in doing that. The the main sort of issues faced by uh, kim jong-il his son uh, when he took over in 1994 are the obviously the end of the cold war the collapse of the soviet union and the problems that this led to with the basically economic issues the social uh, socialist economy collapsed um and more of a, a private enterprise um sort of economy was was set up um behind the scenes and almost it was allowed by kim jong il to some extent because there was such uh, starvation and and um you know economic issues that basically the north korean government couldn't take care of its people anymore kim jong il developed north korea's military uh, and and also further developed the juche ideology and built up a, again a cult of personality around his father and around himself we had the great leader in kim il-sung and the dear leader in kim jong-il and it wasn't until 2011 that kim jong-il after lots of uh, bouts of illness um, died and passed on to the current north korean leader who's kim jong-un so he is the current leader and his focus has been primarily on developing nuclear weapons Um, i think that that is it's fair to say I think obviously there have been other developments in North Korea um, you know particularly around I think he's been more liberal in a sense in terms of allowing a, a more capitalist economy to develop, not, not in the same way that China has, for example, but to some extent Kim Jong-un has allowed more of a um, more private enterprise uh, although still with the government oversight there. But yeah, Kim Jong-un's primary focus has been uh, nuclear weapons. And while the first nuclear test in North Korea was in 2006, um, Kim Jong-un has further developed them since then. That, that first nuclear test led to sanctions being imposed on North Korea. However, by October 2007, I was actually in South Korea at this time, um, the president at the time, Mu Hyun, uh, actually walked across the demilitarized zone and he was the first South Korean leader to actually do this. So big progress there in 2007, following that first nuclear test in 2006. However, and this is this is something I'm going to get onto, this is part of the problem. In March 2008, the new South Korean president, who's Im Myung-bak, uh, he promises to take a harder line on North Korea. And he absolutely lives up to this. And I remember at the time thinking that this policy was, first of all, inconsistent um, from the South Korean government. Yes, they were from different parties. No Hyun is more of a left-wing politician and Lee Myung Bak is, is a more right-wing politician. They are from different um, ends of the political spectrum, uh, different parties. However, surely the approach to North Korea should be consistent. And again, this is something I'm going to discuss throughout this episode about how we can actually deal with North Korea. Now, are they a country who should be allowed to do whatever they want? Are they a country who should be allowed to test nuclear weapons um, or uh, you know, provoke war from South Korea, Japan, the USA? No, of course not. They they should not be allowed to do this. However, for me, the biggest concern I have with North Korea are their human rights violations. And this is something that has not been discussed in great depth in the international community. Now, while there have been reports, frequent reports from the United Nations on human rights violations... In North Korea, nothing has been done about it. It has not led to to any action from the Western world. and that to me is is problematic because if I was a if I was a North Korean, I would not be tempted to put my faith in the Western world and again, I think that's that's part of the issue is what do we actually want to achieve here? from this you know this scenario this dangerous scenario which could potentially lead to some form of nuclear nuclear um conflict what do we want to achieve because if we want to achieve the entire decimation of the north korean population then i guess we continue down the line that we are at the moment which is trump's um aggressive Uh, manner towards north korea however if we want to actually you know reunite and rebuild the korean peninsula then we need to take a, a very different tack to what we are currently again as i've as i've already said north korea are not in the right i'm not here to to suggest that however we almost sounds patronizing but we almost need to be the the mature adult treating a, a sulking child in a, in a in a, in a sensible way in a in a mature way, which you know some some people some North Koreans some South Koreans may find that patronising. However, I think there are parallels to be drawn there between between that sort of um, that sort of relationship between a an adult and a and a child who who's spitting his dummy out chucking his toys out the pram and, and trying to get their own way. Um, also in the news, as well as obviously the nuclear tests, nuclear tests, <laughs> a friend of mine uh, pointed out that in uh, one of the previous episodes I was not saying nuclear right, so I'm going to attempt to say it right every time. Um, as well as that, we also have unprecedented levels and highly unusual levels of submarine activity uh, by North Korea including evidence of an injection test which basically uh, refers to a procedure that examines uh, a submarines cold launch systems that allow a missile to be shut out of the vessel vessel using pressurized air so I'm just getting this from the independent two days ago so as I discussed in my nuclear episode the problem with with nuclear weapons is that you've got you've got several parts to it you've got warheads which we know that um, north korea or, have access to the the actual size and, and um, uh, you know capability of those warheads is still unknown but they do have access to them we know they've done u- nuclear tests um, but you also need a launch system um, so it, it sounds as if they have that, that ability too, judging by the ICBM test, the intercontinental ballistic missile test, and also by the fact that they've got these submarines now that are currently you know testing and moving around, uh, which we we have seen happening. So again, as the independent goes on to say, that these tests have exacerbated relations with Pyongyang and the United States and Donald Trump's expressed concern about North Korea's nuclear capabilities in the past. Um, it's unclear how Mr. Trump might respond to the latest developments. And that's what I'm going to move on to next is, is how America have actually responded to these developments. So moving on to NBC News now uh, from August 2nd, so that's yesterday. So Senator Lindsey Graham um has said that war with north korea is an option here so there will be a war between the united states and north korea over the rogue nations missile program if it continues to aim intercontinental intercontinental ballistic missiles at america Senator lindsey graham um said donald trump president Donald trump has told him so he says quote he has told me that and i believe him the lawmaker said uh, tuesday on today if i were china i would believe him too and i'd do something about it so basically continuing with that if there's going to be a war to stop kim kim jong-un it will be over there if thousands die they're going to die over there they're not going to die here and he has told me that to my face so this sounds as if donald trump has clearly stated that war is is an option and that to me is absolutely frightening because it's not going to just involve North Korea it's not just going to involve America I mean it will be a global conflict clearly China will not sit by and watch America attack one of their allies yes they often try to distance themselves from uh, from North Korea however they will they will support them they will back them up For sure. On the other hand, we have um, Rex Tillerson, the U.S. Secretary of State, which and he's saying that uh, Washington does not seek regime change in Pyongyang and does not blame China for the crisis, despite the president's tweets. So he has said we are not your enemy. He say, he's also saying, though, that the North Koreans' nuclear we- weapons program would have to be on the table at any such talks, and the outcome would have to be that the regime would have to relinquish its arsenal while the US would provide security assurances. But he said, quote, We do not seek a regime change. We do not seek the collapse of the regime. We do not seek an accelerated reunification of the peninsula, Tillerson said. We do not seek an excuse to send our military north of the of the 38th parallel. So this, as the Guardian uh, points out, is a, a conciliatory tone. And the emphasis on dialogue um, is, is a massive contrast with what Donald Trump's been saying. And this is the problem. This is the problem. As I say, my interest really... Is in North Korea in the Hermit Kingdom, and I think part of the reason for that is is the sort of mystery surrounding it. Like, why are they so keen to stay out of the public eye, and you know, why is there so little um, information or or images or video or whatever coming out of there? And I think part of it is they've got something tied. Of course they have. You know, they can their propaganda can deny the imprisonment and, and murder and and all that happening to their civilians. But it, it, it is clearly happening from what we have seen. It is happening. There is enough evidence. There are enough um, people who have defected uh, to South Korea and to America who have given similar accounts of, of what has happened to them, whether it's in a, you know, a prison camp, work camp, or just... In, in the towns and cities uh, or in the army even. So it is happening. but if it, the problem is North Korea wants to be respected. They want to be understood, I think is part of it as well. Now will there have to be a price to pay for the human rights violations? Of course there will. but we need to first we need to bring them round the table. We need to sit down and we need to talk. we need to figure this out. We need to understand them. I was actually just watching a, a documentary uh, in the last couple of days, in part in preparation for this, and within that there's a uh, a guy because it's actually made by a Spanish filmmaker, and there's a guy who is a a Spanish uh, Spanish guy who who's actually gone to live in North Korea, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head but he's gone to live, and I probably won't be able to pronounce it anyway, but he's gone to live in North Korea and he's lived there for about 20 years. And he was saying something, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was saying something like, if somebody comes knocking on the door of your house who has insulted your father and threatened you, then you don't let them in. And I think that's a really important point to note. I think, you know, obviously he's got his own reasons for being there. He's not born and raised in North Korea, but he's decided that's the place for him. But he said, why would we let America into our country? Why would we let them dictate to us our domestic or international foreign policy? Because they are bullies and they are imperialists is, is what the North Koreans often call america they are the imperialist threat and i think i can understand that to some extent they're a small country what have they got they've got nothing other than their standing army and their nuclear deterrent that's what they see it as it's a defense it's a defense against them against america against what they see as provocation so what can be done as i say it, it needs to be dialogue it needs to be a case of we cannot we cannot be inconsistent we need to be unified and we need to be consistent in our approach to to north korea otherwise they will continue to antagonize us they believe that it is it is a war already it's a maybe just a propaganda war at the moment but we need to decide how we're going to approach this because it clearly won't end well the way that, the way that Trump is approaching it. There may be people who suggest that I'm, a, I'm an appeaser for saying things like this, but I think it's clear by what I've said in previous episodes and in this episode that war is and should be the very last option on the table. I think only a an idiot or a, a madman will will dive into war without thinking twice. So there needs to be open and clear dialogue. And will it be absolute plain sailing? No, because North Korea and its leaders, in particular, are absolutely off their heads off their rockers from from everything that comes out of north korea of course they. Are. I mean the quote i read at the beginning that statement from from north korea i mean not only is the you know the english a bit shaky in it we can forgive them for that but it's also it just sounds unhinged doesn't it so of course it's not going to be an easy process but there needs to be dialogue there needs to be a conversation otherwise we will end up in open conflict with a country that has access to nuclear weapons, has access to ICBMs and has the support of the world's other superpower and potentially more beyond that. And by that, I mean China and possibly even Russia, if, if it should come to it. That remains to be seen. I hope that Trump doesn't get his way as as he hasn't in in any sort of case yet but i hope that he continues to not get his way and that there is not open conflict with north korea it would be damaging for the region for south korea a country that i very much regard respect and maybe even go as far as to love i lived there for three years and i I really really enjoyed all three years there i would i would be afraid for the people of South Korea. I would be afraid for the people of Japan and I would be afraid for the consequences for the rest of the world. So yes, they are a unhinged, odd country with very, very bizarre things coming out of there and and leaders who who need a reality check. However, we're not going to get what we want from them by threatening them. I can, I can assure Donald Trump and any other politician anywhere else in the world or any, any other person in the world who thinks that threats are going to work against North Korea. They're not. So we need to, we need to look at it in a different way.